Our first passage comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 3 through 6. For, the, <clears throat> for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Our second passage comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26 through 27. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. May the words spoken this morning transform us and make us more like you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Today, uh, we begin our sermon series called Real, R-E-E-L, Faith. Uh, we'll be looking at several films this summer and what they might uh, teach us about our faith. So we invite you to get to know uh, your couch a little bit and maybe even throw a watching party or two. Uh, this summer. Um, our hope is that through this sermon series, we would become uh, better at seeing God in more places in our lives. Let's begin by watching a trailer for the Guardians of the Galaxy, the, our movie for today. Now, I predicted that there will be people in this sanctuary, especially at our 8 a.m. service, that have no idea what this movie is and have zero interest in it whatsoever. You might see this trailer, and the first reaction you might have is, weird, why did the pastors pick The Guardians of the Galaxy out of all the other good movies out there? I honestly chose this movie because I'm a comic book um, fan. I used to read it as a kid. And also wanted to address the question, how do we keep young people in the church, but not in the way that you might think? Much of the anxiety in the church today lives in this question, how do we keep young people in the church? Even in my one year um, here at Christ United Methodist Church, I have had this conversation countless times with many of you. The Guardians of the Galaxy teaches me that the answer to this question calls for much more than a certain kind of sermon or a certain kind of sermon series, a certain kind of music, or even a young, hip, cool, funny, good-looking pastor like me. <laughs> the Guardians of the Galaxy teaches me that the answer actually is communion and baptism. What does this movie, Guardians of the Galaxy, have to do with communion and baptism? Let's start with communion. The basic premise of this movie is that this team of misfits come across a really powerful stone that can be used to destroy the galaxy. All kinds of villains want to use it for their evil purposes. Who can stop this from happening? The guardians of the galaxy, of course. But here is what is different about this team of heroes. They all have a checkered past with little to no potential. 
They are definitely not billionaire playboy philanthropists or Norse gods. Yet, when they come together, they create a formidable collective force. How does this happen? Well, here's their worldview as expressed by one of the characters named Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord. Quote, So, here we are, a thief, two, two thugs, an assassin, and a maniac. But we're not going to stand by as evil wipes out the galaxy. I guess we're stuck together, partners. End quote. I mean, how many of us feel like we are like the invincible Superman or Superwoman when it comes to our role in advancing the kingdom of God? How many of us feel like we are always making an eternal difference against sin and evil? Closer to the truth, though, is that we are more like the guardians of the galaxy. And doesn't that make more sense? The God of the universe does not expect us to come with brains of Tony Stark, like a.k.a. Iron Man, or the strength of Hulk, some of the more popular Marvel comic book characters. God wants to use the ones who never thought they would qualify in the first place. The world is full of people who mistakenly think they have a superhero inside of them, but leave it to our God to go in a completely different direction. Um, I can definitely say that this has always been my personal experience. When most people see pastors, they think we were born with a Bible in our hands. Nothing can be further from the truth. I remember the first time someone asked me to lead a Bible study. My answer was a hard, no way, not me. I don't know enough about the Bible to lead anyone in that. No way. Well, this person opened the Bible and asked me to read a section and tell me what it meant. After reading it, I was confident. Yeah, not qualified, no way. So I told him, yep, I don't know what this means. I don't know what this means. I don't even know how to pronounce that. I don't know why this is important. I don't know. Well, this person told me this. Dan, you just pointed out all the important things you need to know in order to understand the passage. We don't want someone who knows everything. We want someone who has more questions than answers. And so began my road to where I am now. Even today, I am utterly convinced that God makes me go to three services every Sunday because I need it more than any of you. I also see this at work, God gathering a bunch of no way, not me kind of people when I serve communion. None of us come to the table because we have earned the right to receive. We all come to be nourished and to be empowered by God's grace, to go into the world and to give ourselves for others in the name of Jesus Christ. So, how do we keep young people from, um, in the church? I think the first step to answering this is to understand that we are all in this together. It's not only up to the pastors, the youth directors, or parents. It's up to all of us. No one has all the right answers. No one has all the right skills. We need the bread and cup, and we need each other. We all are the guardians of the church. 
I know it sounds super cheesy, but it's true. Now, what does baptism have to do with the Guardians of the Galaxy? I think this scene uh, from the movie reminds me of our baptism. I know you want to see the rest of it. <clears throat> you can go home and watch it. This is when Ronan the Accuser, the bad guy, has the power stone and is about to destroy the planet while all of our heroes are down and out. It's the most serious point in the movie. And what does Quill do? He uses his weirdness. He embraces who he is in order to distract Ronan long enough for the others to take action. Now we're talking about baptism. So first of all, let's remember what baptism is again. Here's how Rachel Held Evans describes baptism in her book, Searching for Sunday, Loving, Leaving, and Finding the Church. Quote, Indeed, our sins, hate, fear, greed, jealousy, lust, materialism, pride, can at times take such distinct forms in our lives. And these sins join in a chorus. You might even say, as a legion, of voices locked in an ongoing battle with God to lay claim over our identity, to convince us we belong to them, that they have the right to name us. Where God calls the baptized beloved, demons call her, her addict, slut, sinner, failure, fat, worthless, faker, screw-up. It is no coincidence that when Satan tempted Jesus after his baptism, he began his entreaties with, if you are the Son of God. We all long for someone to tell us who we are. The great struggle of the Christian life is to take God's name for us, to believe we are beloved, and to believe that is enough. Whether they come from within us or outside us, whether they represent distinct personalities or the sins and systems that compete for our allegiance, demons are as real as the competing identities that seek to possess us. But rather than casting them out of our churches, we tend to invite them in, where they tell us we'll be children of God when we beat the addiction, when we sign the doctrinal statements, when we help with children's ministry, when we get our act together, when we tithe, when we play by the rules, when we believe without doubt, when we are married, when we are straight, when we are religious, when we are good. But the first act of the Christian life is a renunciation, a challenge. In baptism, the Christian stands naked and unashamed before all these demons, all these impulses and temptations, sins and failures, empty sales pitches and screwy labels, and says, I am a beloved child of God, and I renounce anything or anyone who says otherwise. In some Orthodox traditions, the convert literally spits in the face of evil before going under the water. End quote. At baptism, God tells us, I make beautiful things. You are my beautiful creation, warts and all. You don't have to be something else. You don't have to earn it. 
You are already my beloved. Because of my baptism, uh, because of our baptism, we are allowed to be a bit rough around the edges. We don't have to be clean cut. We don't have to be proper. We don't have to be well behaved. Always put on a happy face. Um, We don't have to be those kind of people. We can be silly. We can be improper. We can be messed up, full of doubt, make mistakes, and be uh, just plain weird. I think this means we have to be a church that is honest with one another. We shouldn't hide our imperfections from one another. Remember when the church was just uh, in its beginnings, the baptized were naked when they were baptized. Talk about knowing everything about one another. There is a church in Denver, Colorado, that does this really well. Now, they don't uh, baptize naked. They don't. The church is called The Refuge, and they are a church modeled after the Beatitudes and the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. This church functions more like a recovery group than a religious organization. Here is their mission statement. Quote, The Refuge is a mission center and Christian community dedicated to helping hurting and hungry people find faith, hope, and dignity alongside each other. We love to throw parties, tell stories, find hope, and practice the ways of Jesus as best as we can. We're all hurt or hungry in our own ways. We're at different places in our journeys, but we share a guiding story, a sweeping epic drama called The Bible. We find faith as we follow Jesus and share a willingness to honestly wrestle with God and our questions and doubts. We find dignity as God's image bearers and strive to call out that dignity in one another. We all receive, we all give. We are old, young, poor, rich, conservative, liberal, single, married, gay, straight, evangelicals, progressives, overeducated, undereducated, certain, doubting, hurting, and thriving. Yet, Christ's love binds our differences together in unity. At the refuge, everyone is safe, but no one is comfortable. End quote. Kathy Escobar, who started this church, says, at the refuge, People who make $600 on mental health disabilities and never graduated from high school are hanging out with friends who have master's degrees and make $6,000. Suburban moms are building relationships with addicts. People from fundamentalist Christian backgrounds are engaging those with pagan backgrounds. Orphans, outcasts, prostitutes, pastors, single moms and dads, church burnouts, and everything in between are all muddled up together. It's wild. So again, how do we keep young people in the church? I think we may need a bit of wild and weird in our churches again. Maybe we need to learn to be more honest and vulnerable with one another. We can't put on a face. We can't project perfection anymore. We need to leave some room for grace. Brothers and sisters, now I think communion and baptism is the answer, but I don't think it is just the answer to the question, 
how we keep young people in the church. I think it's the answer to the entire thing. How do we keep being the church? How do we keep young people in the church? It's a question that comes out of our fears and anxiety. It's a question of survival. As a church, we don't want to just survive. We want to thrive. As we come together as the body, as we embrace the truth that we are God's beloved children, with God's help, we can be the guardians of the church. Let us leave this place remembering that we are in this together and that we are free to be our weirdo selves. Amen.